The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. The Word of God today is found in not 1 Peter chapter 2 like the bulletin says, it's actually 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning at verse 12. And if you want to pull out the Bible in front of you or your Bible app, I am going to re- be referring to a couple of verses that come right before our lesson. But I want to read our verses for today right now as we begin to think about Christian persecution and what the Apostle Peter has to say to us. Here's what he writes. Dear friends, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. I could try. I could try this morning to make the argument that here in the United States, we are suffering persecution as Christians. I could could point out that there are activist judges in our country that are eroding our freedoms. I could tell you that on the campuses here in the United States, the only group that is actually persecuted are the conservative Christians. I could tell you about how there are Christians who stand up for their faith in the Christian, in the public sphere, and all that they receive are cold, blank, and sometimes angry stares. I could tell you story after story after story of the myriad of ways that Christians are suffering in this country, but i got to be honest with you, I think that argument is weak. I think it falls flat, and I think it's even laughable to claim that we are actually being persecuted today. I mean, the fact of the matter is this. We are not experiencing times like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and our government is not ordering furnaces and burning the fire hot so that they can chuck Christians into it. And I don't think any of us can actually claim to say that I know exactly by experience what Peter is talking about when he says that we are undergoing a, quote, 
fiery ordeal. I don't think we can actually claim in the United States that we are suffering Christian persecution. The opposite is actually true. Our government gives us massive tax breaks every single year. And you know the, the, the most dangerous thing, the hardest thing to get past on a Sunday morning to get to worship, you know what it is? It's our own pillow. We are not undergoing the fiery trials that Peter's talking about in our lesson. But, and this is a massive but, things can change. And things can change in a blink of an eye, or we could say it another way. Things can change as quickly as it takes to hit send in your email program. Because that's exactly what happened to the people of Peter's day. I mean, Peter was actually wrapping up his lesson, if you got your Bible, his, his letter. If you got your Bible app open of your Bibles, what you'll see is right in front of you, Peter's wrapping up his letter in there, right there in chapter 4. He's bringing it to a grand conclusion. He's saying, look, to God be the glory forever and ever. He's breaking into doxology. He's indicating, I'm about done writing now. And he even says that word that indicates the end. He says, amen, period. He thinks he's done. But then he keeps writing. Because something happened. We don't know what it was. Maybe somebody was burned at the stake in that Christian church. Maybe one of their women was raped. Maybe some of the members of the church were thrown into prison. We don't know why, but what we have here in 1 Peter chapter 4 and chapter 5 is the most massive P.S. postscript in the whole Bible. Because something changed and it changed before Peter could hit the send button. And something could change for us in the blink of an eye before you can hit send on your email. And Peter's got some words for us today as people who are not currently undergoing the fiery ordeal, but who may in the blink of an eye. And here's what he says. Here's the first encouragement. We've got several for today. He says, first of all, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised. Do you think that they don't notice? The world, I mean. Do you think that they don't notice that God calls you not to get drunk? Do you think they don't notice that you lead a quiet life and you're not out carousing on Saturday night? Do you think they don't notice that you... Like God calls you to, you don't cuss and use a potty mouth and use God's name in vain. You think that they don't notice. Do you think the darkness doesn't notice that you live in the light? Because I want you to hear this and I want you to hear it real well. Your quiet life is a massive, quiet condemnation of the wickedness around you. And if they don't hate you already, 
they will. And don't be surprised when they come for you. <laughs> In fact, pack your bags. There's, there's a story about this Chinese pastor in China. And this is interesting. You know the most massive cause of perse persecution today is for Christians? It's actually not radical Islam. It's nationalism. We'll set that aside. In China, where Christians are suffering because of nationalism, this pastor knew that they would come for him someday. So you know what he did? He packed his bags. He packed his bags. He, he put all the clothes that he would need for prison camp, and he put it right next to door, the door, and then when they came for him, because they did come for him, he grabbed his suitcase on the way out. That's what Peter wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be surprised. He wants us to pack our bags, but not literally. This is what Peter wants us to do. This is what it means to pack your bags. He continues by writing this. He says, verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So this is what Peter wants you to do. Not necessarily throw a pair of pants and a suitcase, but what he wants you to do is pack your heart full of songs to sing. Because isn't that the best way to rejoice? The apostles, when they were thrown into prison for their faith, what did they do? They sang hymns. You know what I'm going to do when and if they come for me? When I'm sitting in jail, I'm going to sing, Be Still My Soul. And then I'm going to sing with those Lutheran pastors who were imprisoned in the past by their government. I'm going to sing with them, why should cross and trial grieve me? And I would count it an honor. I would count it an honor to sit with any one of you and sing those songs with me. I mean, really, isn't that what we're doing on Sunday morning? At least part of what we're doing, we're practicing. We're getting ready. We're singing songs together so that when we don't have a hymn book anymore that we'll have the hymn book packed right there in our hearts so that we can just sing praises to Jesus when we get to suffer for his name. I mean, there's a sense, there's, there's a willingness in my heart awaiting like, wow, wouldn't that be great just to be able to do that for Jesus' sake. But Peter's got another word for us this morning, a really important one, and it's this. Don't bring suffering on yourselves. Now that should be obvious, but he has to say it because this is what he says next. Verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Now, that's quite a list that he puts together. We've got murderers, we've got thieves, we've got criminals. And then he had to throw that little word in there called meddlers, right? Now, what is a meddler? A meddler is anyone who tries to direct the life of another. A meddler is anyone who tries to step out of their vocation and tell someone else what to do. 
And the fact of the matter is there are a lot of meddlers out there. Children are sometimes the worst ones when they say, you know, if I was the parent, our family would be so much better and I'd get to have all of these freedoms. And then, and then there's the parents who try to parent other people's children. You know who I'm talking about? Like who always are giving out unsolicited advice? Or we could, we could talk about, you know, the citizens who think that they do a better job at being the governor. There was actually a saying over in, in Europe, it, it was a kind of a sarcastic one, if I were the king of Prussia, if I was the president of the United States, if I was the mayor of New York City, I'd do things like this. You know, I'm convinced that the vast majority of suffering today in the United States actually isn't coming because of Christian persecution. It's because, it's because of one of two things. People are not living out their vocations the way that God calls them to. Or people are meddling in other people's vocations. Let me ask you this. Don't you have enough to do in your own vocation? Isn't it hard enough to love your own spouse? Isn't it hard enough to live as a citizen and honor those in authority? Isn't it hard enough to parent your own children that your life is so full that you don't have to get involved and meddle in someone else's life? That's what St. Peter says to us this morning. Don't bring suffering on yourselves. The suffering will come all on its own. One final encouragement from the Apostle Peter, and it's a beautiful one. I want to go to the last verse that he has for us. He says this. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You see what Peter did right there? I'll give you a hint. He plagiarized Jesus. <laughs> you see that? It was Jesus who said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But did you see what Jesus did? We sang it in the psalm for today. He plagiarized the psalmist. The psalmist who said, into your hands I commit my spirit. So this is what we're called to do when we arrive, right, in the fiery ordeal. This is what we are called to do. We are called to commit our spirits to God. Now, I can remember the first time I tried this in my life. I began practicing dying. And I know that sounds a little bit morbid, but I was undergoing my first major surgery. And if you've ever been in surgery before, you have to spread out your hands and make the form of a cross on a cold gurney bed. And then this guy shoots you up with drugs. Right, Brett? <laughs> or a woman, that's right. 
And I was determined to practice dying. So I started saying the Lord's Prayer, and they shot me up with those drugs, and I didn't even make it through. Boom. But isn't that really what we do every night? We practice dying. We put our heads on the pillows at night, and we could say with Luther, into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things, and then we say, Amen. And if it's a good night, we're out, like a light bulb, only to wake up again. This is what St. Peter is asking you to do, that you would practice dying, that you would commit your souls to God, and then you would say, amen. Because I can assure you of this, I can assure you of this, That those who fall asleep in Jesus' name, for them, there is always life after the amen. Always, always, always. It doesn't matter why you said the amen. Maybe, maybe it's because you're going through surgery. Maybe it's because you're going to bed at night. Maybe you're in a North Korean prison camp starving to death. Or maybe, just maybe, you're hanging on a cross. It doesn't matter why you say amen. What matters is who you say amen to. Peter says, to your faithful creator. Consider this. This is the only time in the whole New Testament that God is called creator. Do you, know I don't, you want to know why? Because this God is the God who filled your, airs with, your lungs with air. This is the God who shaped you and form you, formed you. This is the God who made you and redeemed you with the blood of his own son. And this God is utterly faithful to you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you especially when you fall asleep in his name and you say amen. Could we do that this morning? Will you pray with me? And then when we're done praying, this is what what I want you to do. Open your eyes to life in his name. Let's pray together. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Amen.